Welcome to the Spoiler Alert Podcast and another edition of our Halloween Marathon. Today, we are going to be reviewing 1985's Return to Oz. The original Wizard of Oz was released in 1939, so this is about almost 50 years after. It's got like a grimy 80s feel. Uh, We'll get into that in just a second, but before we do, I'd like to encourage everybody to subscribe, hit the like button, because that helps. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, follow us on Spotify, listen to us during work, or when you're running, or walking, or I don't know, doing things. Um, And then uh, if you're on Spotify, check out our YouTube, because we put in visual aids and things along those lines that are pretty fun. Return to Oz was written and directed by Walter Murch, who's actually a super famous editor. He edited THX 1138. He edited Apocalypse Now, Godfather 1, 2, and 3, American Graffiti, The Conversation, and The English Patient. All right. Wow. That's Um, pretty impressive. So yeah, he's had a hell of a editing career. Um, did the best he could with this, with with directing. You gotta um, think as an editor. I mean, you can't really get a bigger job than say Apocalypse Now, right? So I mean, this guy's impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, so Dorothy in Return to Oz is played by Feruza Balk, who you might recognize from Almost Famous, The Water Boy, and American History X. Return to Oz is set six months or so after the events of the Wizard of Oz concluded. Uh, Auntie M and Uncle Henry uh, both uh, think that she's kind of crazy and like want to institutionalize her. And uh, one funny like thing that happens in this first part of the movie is that they also acknowledge that like Henry's trying to rebuild the house but he's got a broken leg and Dorothy's like, Hey, Auntie M, why are you, why are you being so crabby towards, towards uncle Henry? He's, he, he's got a broken leg. And she's like, Oh, that leg was healed months ago. <laughs> and I don't even know their last names, but uh, the Dorothy's family and her are kind of, you know, kind of not, not doing so hot around the farm. Uh, she's playing with like this she's doing work and there's this chicken and this chicken finds a key well yeah at that night for, uh, she sees uh, a shooting star and I guess by there are a lot a lot of logical leaps so she concludes the next morning when she finds the key that that must have been a sh- the shooting star from last night and that her friends from Oz must have sent the key well because I guess at least that part sort of makes sense because there's an insignia on the key but I mean, yeah, I don't, a lot of logical leaps. Um, it, it just kind of, it's Alice in Wonderland logic, I think, you know, for, for most of the movie. And she's trying to use the key to like prove to Auntie M like, hey, no, like I I went there, this is real. And then she's like, Ugh, we need to take you to electric shock therapy. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. This is and... like right after, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So, you know, that, that probably didn't have the best reputation in the public consciousness. Um, you know, so you're immediately it's a sinister thing in the in the movie. She goes to the shrink and before they actually schedule the shock therapy, explains the backstory of all the characters, the Tin Man, Scarecrow, Cowardly Lion, explains it all. As far as like big themes in this film, I kind of got like industrial revolution. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I mean, I like there was that there was sort of that, but like, you know, because he, he's talking about, you know, we're on the edge of a new century, uh, you know, of scientific breakthroughs and blah, 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 you know, ultimately at the end of the movie gets electrified or something trying to save his machine. I don't even know. Like, it's a, I, he gets killed somehow. Yeah, there's some messy themes in this one. Like, I can't yeah. see it across the rest of the movie, like at all. So it's just something that's kind of yeah there's there's some that's like industry and machinery can be like is is like to be mistrusted except for in cases like uh like tiktok um who we meet later and then there's like also like a greed element and a resource element that like plays in later as well things like that uh again their themes are messy 
but I guess we'll just point them out. <laughs> um, when she's reciting all that, I, like I caught her, you know, she's just a kid. So not like, I wouldn't say her acting's overall bad. There's just something a little, she comes off as sort of like detached and sort of out of it at times, but that might almost make sense for like, you know, cause that's what Auntie M and it's hard for me to really judge child actors, you know, like I, I when I was a kid, I could, but like now it's like, I, I just know the really good ones. Like obviously the kids on Game of Thrones were great. Uh, there was that Cody Smith McPhee and Chloe something from like 10 years ago when they were kids and Saoirse Ronan was great when she, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, so I know greatness, but otherwise I'm just kind of like, eh. Especially in a film like this, where it's got a lot of, you know, built in past history. And oh, yeah, you know, it, it, it feels like a kid actor got a Wizard of Oz movie, you know, that's what it feels like when I think of that character. And that's well, it's not good. It's not necessarily the actress's fault. It's it's probably a bit of both. It's probably a bit of bit of her not being super transcended, and then uh, the overall weight of the film. Right. Yeah, it's got a, a great deal of responsibility and, and expectation on its shoulders, and I think pretty straight away people are going to be pretty. Yeah, I think they're going to know they're not in for you know. Uh, they're going to have to re-gauge their expectations. Right. Yeah, that that happens pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, in that scene though, I just, I caught her, she tripped over a line. Uh, but then I, it got me thinking that like, I see a lot of little things like that through the movie where it's like, I'm pretty sure he's just going with like the first take, maybe the first couple, like it feels very, I don't know, like he just, I don't know if there was, cause I don't know anything. I didn't watch that video you sent me, but it does almost feel like maybe the production was a little troubled or, or, uh, it, it was, they, they had a little bit of trouble in the production, just a lot of the costumes, and a lot of the suits, they're all, and I, I love practical effects and practical makeup, practical costuming, but I can also see how much of a pain in the ass it is when the movie isn't great. Well, um, yeah, it's it or wasn't, just bad. Right, <laughs> the practical effects weren't exactly the best in this. Um, you know, like, it, it's weird that I saw in the credits, Brian Henson's name came up. So, I mean, was this the Henson company? Because it's like, if it is, they're, this is easily their worst that I've ever seen. I mean... A lot of prosthetics through this movie are kind of like Uncanny Valley or... Well, they feel like, lifeless. They just look like a dude in a mask, right? Or something yeah. like, you know uh as opposed like, to the original wizard of oz where it was human faces and stuff like it's just you know like it makes everything feel yeah it, it adds this feeling of like kind of loneliness and desolation that like it's not the whole movie is just not as full of life as the original by any stretch so yeah um, and a, a big question for this movie is who is it for like <laughs> it's it's kind of become like the adopted stepchild of like kids that grew up in the 80s when like you know there was just randomly like dark movies like the witches that were meant for kids you know or even like dark in, crystal was kind of or dark crystal or yeah. even 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 in the animated world to a degree like land before time is pretty depressing if you think about it um, I, I like that though. I like, I mean, I, I was kind of into some of that as a kid, but then there was other stuff that was just like, I don't know, like this. I, I, I was definitely into Land Before Time when I was a little kid. I don't know. I never really got into Dark Crystal until I would watch it ironically, but. Uh, right. I didn't like it as a kid. And then I, I went on to like it. I watched it, you know, as an adult. as like, so there are a lot of movies like that. I, I got hung up on this whole thing where I just was like looking at weird, like 80s kids movies and stuff like kind of like this like um no well i didn't get around to rewatching. if i remember watching it as a kid like uh never ending story would probably be pretty yeah never ending story labyrinth yeah. was one i didn't like as a kid really but then did like later i know a lot of kids did like labyrinth but that would just be a year after this it's a similar mm -hmm. kind of story so that'd be another jim henson one with dark crystal but yeah so there's something going on there a lot of these kinds of movies are coming up back to back i know that there's a lot of 80s kids that like have you know grown up to have like a fondness towards these type of movies and that's probably who these movies are who this movie is for like right. i don't think it reaches because like a fresh kid isn't gonna like this or see any 
value even compared to wizard of oz although i don't even know if kids are watching wizard of oz anymore probably not yeah which is a shame but i mean but somebody coming after a 45 46 year wait as you pointed or uh, you, you point out is probably this would be really weird for them they're probably not going to be hugely fond of it to say they watched the wizard of oz when it first came out as a kid you know and mm -hmm. then they're coming to the theater all this time later you know and the mouths on a lot of the masks don't don't move <laughs> Yeah, um, again, they don't feel very lifelike because they're not moving. Just most of the faces aren't really moving much, like, you know. This movie might have been better off just being animated and really like just Actually, sell it up. Because you could still you could still give it like a darker vibe, you know what I mean? Right. Because what's important to know is L. Frank Baum, the man who wrote all the Oz books, this is probably, and this is kind of what went over in that video I sent you. So like this, like Return to Oz is actually probably the most true to the books of any of the Oz films, whether it's with Wizard of Oz or the newest movie, Oz the Great and Powerful, which I think this one actually has more cinematic value. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'll give Return to Oz that. Return to Oz is probably the most true to the books because the books are kind of fucked up, man. Are they? They're kind of they're kind of like grim, like the brother. They're, they're almost like the brothers Grim. That where, dark. Where, like yeah, that it's just like it. Yeah, it's just like there's like this boil man who's like boils and blisters, and he always looks like he's in pain, but he's always smiling, and he's always <laughs> like, like there's a lot of creepy shit in the books, and there's a lot of creepy shit in this movie in a, in a certain way. There's a lot of, yeah. like, there's, like, life powder that you can take a fucking a, a hunted moose head <laughs> and put it on a sofa, and it becomes yeah. it's a new thing. Right. <laughs> um, um, uh, so like there's a, and really really that moose took that all in stride um yeah uh, <laughs> I, i'd be more freaked out i'd be like just kill me like, yeah. um, um, uh all right well so that's a little bit of backstory of l frank Baum. the actual books are a lot darker than the original and the newest movies favorite writers harlan ellison was just singing the praises of, of those books so i mean and, and he's so hyper critical of everything that like it's, it's amazing to me that because it's a really long spanning book series from what i saw so mm -hmm. that, that there could be that many books and he wouldn't find something not to like in any of them and you know uh is, is probably testament to their quality so i mean they they must be good um but I'm not knocking the original Wizard of Oz either, just because like I de like that fucking worked. Like, yeah. like they definitely made the right decisions. Like it might be one of those movies that are either like I don't want to say unfilmable because that's kind of I don't I don't like that term because like I think like maybe it's unfilmable in a certain maybe there are movies that are or books that are unfilm unfilmable in an era, like yeah. Like in eighties and I think the seventies, they thought of doing Lord of the Rings, and then um, they were like, "The technology's not here. Let's just make it fucking animated." Yeah, and that's yeah. that's when you got those. There's a couple examples where people take the time for the technology to get around to make a movie. Yeah, um, so so maybe the dark eighties vibe is like the perfect time to try for like a dark. Wizard of Oz book, you know, yeah. Dark Wizard of Oz story, even even compared to that subgenre with Labyrinth, it's not the best and, of them. Uh, and yeah, it's still not the best, even when you grade it among that subgenre. Oh. Well, and the, the original Wizard of Oz, we apparently had some dark shit. In it. I never like like people hanging themselves or something in the background. Some some dark. Thing. I don't know. There are always people combing over frames, and they find shit in these Disney movies. Like I don't know, but I guess that was one that there was somebody like the silhouette of somebody hanging from a tree in the background or something. Just so I guess that maybe had something sinister lurking just underneath the surface. I I don't you know, but yeah, this brings it. That would be cool, man. <laughs> also, fun fact. Um, uh, Mankiewicz, who wrote, technically co-wrote, but wrote most of Citizen Kane, was a ghostwriter on the original Wizard of Oz. Oh, really? 
fun fact out there. So the guy who wrote what's regarded by many as the greatest film of all time is a ghostwriter for Wizard of Oz. So yeah, so Auntie M leaves her with the shrink to get shocked. And we missed one other thing, and that's that Toto gets left behind earlier in the film. So Right, yeah. Toto's left behind. Toto is not really a part of the story. Uh, We get a chicken instead. Yeah, which it took me a while to catch on to that that's what was going to happen. I I thought maybe Toto was going to make a return, but I'm like, oh, we okay, it's a fucking chicken. And and there's a lot of importance around this chicken that's not made clear till the end, but everybody's really interested in this chicken. Similarly to the original Wizard of Oz, there's like with Wizard of Oz, there's the people in her life that kind of become Oz characters for her dream world, sort of, yeah. if it's if it is indeed a dream. And this girl who is kind of imprisoned with her in this psych ward gives her a jack-o'-lantern. Well, she, she seems to just kind of like, well, she first appears in a reflection or something and Dorothy... And Dorothy doesn't seem to be weirded out by any of this, but I guess she believes in Oz, so I guess she wouldn't be, you know. They're hitting on a lot of, like, child fears here. And if a movie's a movie's going to be this expensive, like, I'm not, like, a big studio, like, got to make every dollar you can guy. But I'm, like, I'm also, like, okay, you got to think logically. They're putting a lot of money into all this, all these practical effects. It's not enough of an adult movie to be an adult movie, you know? Right. Like, it's not grown enough to be that. It might just be us, because, like, I mean, like I said, there were kids in our grade that, like, loved Labyrinth, and, like, I was just like, why? It's so ugly, and, like, I mean, you know, I like it now, but it just, mm -hmm. it was so, it had that weird Jim Henson. You need to develop a taste for it, and just even kids that might later on in life, like, aren't necessarily going to do it right away you know right you probably need to be weaned into it or something you know like you're making a multi like a huge blockbuster budget film Mm -hmm. that its best hope is to be a cult classic right and it's a sequel to one of the most significant movies ever made too so you know it's (laughs) It's kind um, of a lot Ugh. um um, it's it's fun to beat up on a movie sometimes well, it is bizarre. It's like, I mean, I think to me, like the 90s Disney Renaissance era was probably the right balance of it's dark and did have some, you know, heavy subject matter, but it was also kid friendly. I think that was, they struck a, the right balance there in the 90s. Yeah, like Lion King, you had like some happy fucking Akuna Matata. You had just can't wait to be king. And then you have Mufasa die and his uncle fucking did it. And then, right. you know, hyenas are are eating people and like... <laughs> but they, yeah, they could get dark, but it wasn't all encompassing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there were breaks. So uh, this yeah. just has like this creepy atmosphere that's like, I don't know. It's, it's not any one scene. It's just the whole thing is <laughs> weird. They put her in shock therapy. And if you hadn't scared your kids at this point you're about you know they're showing like 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 some fucked up violence of children which usually doesn't go well among kids or their parents when they go it's kind of like a jacob's ladder scene since we just did that one where she's being journey down the hallway so there we've got a visual (laughs) motif going Um, (laughs) but just before that happens i believe the power goes out because it's a lightning storm outside. And then the girl undoes her straps. The yeah. girl that we had just seen through the mirror and giving the jack-o'-lantern and all that. And they rush out of the hospital. And like the one-to-one comparison in this movie to the tornado is this river during this rainstorm. Yeah. Uh, they hop on this river. She gets like in this crate that somehow stays afloat. We just think the other girl drowned yeah like if at this point if you haven't like (laughs) um if you hadn't if you had no exposure to the original wizard of oz you think that the other girl drowned and she wakes up with the chicken in the uh, i think i forgot if the chicken i forgot how the chicken in any way got into the crate if i think they were just trying to kind of cleverly frame it like using shadows and and cutting out some of the box so that 
like the chicken was probably just always there and we didn't see it and Dorothy mm. was desperate to get into the box that she just didn't see it she doesn't know it for about like 30 seconds but we're in Oz now and <laughs> um the crate is like washed up on this shore desert area where there is water but it's all evaporating and going down into the ground and and then she recognized that as the deadly desert, which if you touch, you turn to sand and grow the desert. But so very they... lucky for her, she's right on the razor's edge and there are a mm -hmm. bunch of rocks that she can step, you know, what do you call that? Step stones, basically. And, and the stones also, we see, have faces yeah. and they talk and they speak to someone that we don't quite see where it's like, uh, Dorothy is back. Right. And she has a chicken. Ooh. And then there's a big voice that says, what? Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, I think it's a chicken. And everybody's like freaking out over the chicken uh, throughout the course of the film. I, and you're just like, why? You know, but there is an answer. I didn't know if we were ever going to get one, um, you know, but we do. So they find a lunch pail tree to get some lunch. And then they find the old uh, house that land that was from kansas that landed in the first film and now like that area of munchkin land or whatever is just completely wooded over and the yellow brick road is all fucked yeah. <laughs> which is exactly how she puts in the movie she's like oh no it's fucked <laughs> but, like, so. <laughs> um, uh, but they follow it nonetheless and they find oz and see that oz or the emerald city is fucked yeah <laughs> um, all the people all the inhabitants that we see are turned to stone including the tin man lion. and the lion the cowardly lion and then uh we do not see scarecrow quite yet but we learn more about that in a little bit and then these fucking wheelers show up which are like these henchmen that mm -hmm. Filming that as those actors, like, I don't care if they're bad actors. Like, that just seems like a pain in the ass. Yeah. They like, are, they're freaky so looking. So unnecessary, too. Like, <laughs> like, just make them guards that have fucking spears or some shit and make them cool. And then you could stand and not... Well, I, I actually like the wheelers, so just because they are so fucking weird looking. It's just so disturbing. I mean, you know, like, it's... Yeah, it... Um, I, mean, I think it would freak the fuck out of kids. Um, there you uh, go. If you want to have interesting kids, make them watch the movie. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I would say that the cool thing about the wheelers, like the cool, like maybe skip, maybe freak someone out thing about the wheelers is that like, since they're looking down when they do their thing, well, yeah, they, uh, got the they got the helmet. That's a different face. So that, that could kind of be like, I, I see where you're getting that there. I think I've seen that one other place. I want to say it's the Chronicles of Riddick where they had face helmets. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. So yeah, it's just a weird visual. It's, um, and they're like the only life we've encountered so far. So yeah, I mean, Oz is very fucked. Um, like whatever's going on. The wheelers notice the chicken and they're like, there's no chickens allowed in the Emerald City. And they chase her down and then they find this wall so maybe it's not exactly an ex machina but it feels like an ex machina that like hey the wall like oh there's the keyhole that your key that you found from well, the just like her washing up right at the edge of the desert with those rocks there because if that hadn't happened well she's fucked she's stranded in the middle of the desert you know so um yeah i mean but it's it's all whatever wonderland logic so you know very lewis carroll um, yeah, you know. but she ends up using that key to get into uh, this doorway, and inside the doorway is this tin robot-looking thing, and it's TikTok. And I think the big theme they're hitting on here is AI. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, um, <laughs> and but yeah, so uh, TikTok's like this round-looking copper fucking robot that they want that you have to wind up different aspects where it's like action you got to wind it up mm -hmm. thinking you got to wind it up speech you got to wind it up and uh so they eventually wind it all up and and he's always clunking out as, as the other thing you know so at really yeah. inopportune times and tiktok reveals that he was basically sent by 
a scarecrow to hide in this place. And then Dorothy would come and find and find him. And then TikTok would help. And TikTok does help. He fights off the wheelers pretty well, but immediately runs out of action. And he tells Dorothy to run up the stairs, which I'm like, that's not a bad idea. You'd think stairs would be the natural nemesis of these wheelers, you know, just just find a stairway. You know, there. unless they can shred on the rails, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, like, like a good like a good skateboarder. <laughs> <laughs> he takes one of the wheelers like by the collar or whatever and, and interrogates him. And they, uh, the wheeler says that the Gnome King took all the emeralds and Mombi who is this witch that's basically the nurse in the real life. And then the Gnome King is basically the doctor shrink in the real life. And Mombi knows where Scarecrow is, is basically what the wheeler gives up. So they go to see Mombi in this like weird castle thing. And she's able to change her head she gets she has like 30 heads that she uses and she she's got this like massive head collection it, it's almost as impressive as mine and um but uh <laughs> it's but it's it's a weird it's just another one of those like weird visual things that are gonna freak the hell out of a kid they're kind of good effects i mean for the time i, I don't know how they're quite accomplishing that but uh and then i you know i knew where it was gonna go too i or at least i half suspected that wait well, now she's going to want Dorothy's head. But then I thought maybe not because she's a kid. But there's a solution to that. You let the, the head ripen for a few years in a tower and then you harvest it. So that's that's her plan. Because I guess, you know, uh, once the head's off, it doesn't age or something. I don't know. But whatever, logic. Um, exactly. And then the tower that, they, that she sends Dorothy to happens to have Pumpkinhead, who is this barely animate object. Um, <laughs> Uh, is how I would explain it because like this is kind of what we're talking about where uh, like the mouth doesn't move on these pros on these prosthetics and practical effects um, eyes don't blink anything like that it's just that's what maybe so you're saying it costs a lot of money but like I in a lot of the production value I mean I'm not really seeing it you know like well I should say there's a like a lot of background costs because like if you look at like the large swaths of people towards the end there's like full-fledged frog costumes there's oh yeah that fine but i just think i mean they have that all throughout like the original movie you know like i mean it, it was a lot more full of life and, and you had a big gathering at the end i think like that um you know yeah i mean i i just think like the sheer like raw material used was a lot it just wasn't done all that well it's a big thing <laughs> So in 80s dollars, the budget for Return to Oz was 28 million, which is quite a bit. And then it box officed 11 million. Oh, shit. So that's a big old hit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like there's just, you know, some costs. And I think like a lot of that stuff takes time. And the more time mm -hmm. you take with stuff, the more catering you have to do, the more bullshit that just adds up and adds up and adds up. But yeah, like, I mean, it is Oz, so you'd think you're going to have, like, I mean, people are going to flood in, you would think, but apparently they didn't. So unless you just kind of thought, like, well, how are you going to do a sequel to Oz that's going to be as good? I mean, Judy Garland can't come back and, you know. I mean, I'd imagine the release date was fine, because that's usually how those movies go. And then it's, like, after the release where people are like, guys. Oh, okay. This movie, and the second and third weeks, which are super important for a release, mm -hmm. tank. But yeah, and like Pumpkin Head too is like just other like just weird like images of like the first time we meet this character, his legs are fucking detached, and he's like, "Oh, help me!" <laughs> and, yeah, and so she ropes together his legs. He's sort of a scared crow himself jack Pumpkinhead. i mean i think that was his purpose right it was to be essentially yeah, tiktok is kind of like tin man right scarecrow, or Pumpkinhead is kind of like scarecrow the chicken have, is kind of like toto right we don't have an equivalent to the, the cowardly lion but i mean I, but otherwise I, right maybe um, the, maybe the closest thing would be the moose sofa oh, oh yeah maybe well maybe <laughs> uh, yeah it's not a very movie. good equivalent but honestly, throughout this movie, Pumpkinhead might be the most useless character. 
when he has this weird insistence on, on calling her mom, you know, I don't know why um, it, it's weird, but um, so. But yeah, so she fixes him. He's Jack Pumpkinhead. Uh, he tells her to call him Jack. They get TikTok back from the hallway and tell him that they plan to break out of there. And she builds a sleigh with this life powder that she steals from the headroom. And once she picks it up, the main head alerts the body, the headless body to walk <laughs> over and get her, which it's beauty sleep or something. I... So while this is all happening, Tin Man and Pumpkinhead are putting together this sofa, like tying together two sofas. And horrifically, if you actually think about it, a formerly live moose or maybe in the world they call him Gumps. We end up calling this character a, a Gump. A uh, taxidermied severed head of a moose. Right. And it becomes like this fucked up flying reindeer thing. Um, you know, like, but yeah, but yeah like you said, I mean, he was, he was alive, then dead, now alive again as a severed head attached to a sofa. Um, and, I mean, and its last memories are literally seeing a hunter walk through the woods and hearing <laughs> a loud bang. You know, if I'm that moose, I'm like, just, just kill me and my misery. It's like alien, yeah, kill me. But um, <laughs> no, man, I'm thinking like it brings up all those ethical questions. Like, wasn't there that Italian neurosurgeon or whatever that wanted to transplant that guy's head? And everybody's like talking about the ethics of that. I, I guess the guy backed out. Um, but I mean, I mean, yes, I think has... people are okay with face transplants, brain transplants. I don't know about. No, it's a whole head transplant that this guy wanted to do because this guy had some degenerative disease where his body was going to fail him, and his only hope was to have a head transplant. But everybody's like, "Well, that's not going to." Everybody's like, "Okay, well, even if that has any success, it'll last about five seconds, and the guy's going to be in absolutely horrific pain, um, you know, before he dies." So there's like a lot of ethical discussion, but. Um, the guy backed out, even though, I mean, it was really his only hope, but everybody was saying it's like not going to work. But anyway, yeah, so it's like that. I mean, the, the moose head thing. So um, his head is transplanted onto a sofa and he's forced to fly around in Oz and yeah. And some wheelers follow them and run right into the desert. So we see how the desert turns people in the sand. Uh, and then the sleigh is breaking apart midair. Jack's head falls off. And, yeah, we get a really weird line from Dorothy where she's like, there are a lot of those throughout this, so I'm probably forgetting a bunch of them. One that stuck out to me was like, guys, no matter what happens, I'm sleepy. And I'm, I'm glad that I have my own head to be sleepy with. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's great. And, and when Pumpkinhead's head has fallen down, it's like, speaking to us like i'm falling and they like nosedive to catch up to it and then they reach the equal the equilibrium and then yeah, they was grab it, it velocity or so i don't I, yeah, yeah terminal velocity yeah the whatever it is feet per you second think the sleigh is going to be heavier heavier than the pumpkin head so maybe they would be able to catch up to it but right I, really important I, i'm, I'm not because all right. things fall eventually at the same exact rate yeah, but it takes them a while to hit that point. So I'm wondering if the sleigh being heavier, could, that's called terminal velocity, but like couldn't the sleigh, it takes a while to hit that. Um, yeah. Maybe they could catch up. Well, like the surface area is a big variant on that happening. With the sleigh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know, but. Well, we have as, to get as, right. The physics in this movie are deeply important. I mean, it's <laughs> but as, as soon as they get Jack Pumpkin heads back, heads head back, the rest of the sleigh just falls apart. Like, like so it didn't even fucking matter. Um, <laughs> and the chicken, and this is important, the chicken hides in Jack's head. But luckily they fall right where they were trying to go, to the mountain of the Gnome King. Lucky. I mean, yeah, it was just good timing. Oh, and, and Dorothy survives the fall by landing on the couch. So again, I mean, we should probably yeah. get Neil deGrasse Tyson in here, you know, but I, I, I'm sure that would work out. Um, yeah, so. And uh, the Gnome King takes rock form on the outside of the cliff, 
you know, questions them and realizes that it's Dorothy and basically causes a little bit of an earthquake and gets uh, Dorothy to fall into his caverns and she sees just a sea of emeralds, basically, um, all the emeralds that were stolen from the Emerald City. And well, it also seems like it might be a volcanic mountain because of, like there's a point where he says, look at my inferno or something. And, and yeah, or my furnace. Lava at the end of the, when he starts, well, yeah. So I think it, it's supposed to maybe be a volcano as well. I don't know. And then at the end of her fall, Scarecrow catches her. So that's, that's one of the, like, I'm tempted to say clever scenes, but like, as far as like just scenes of like a reveal, like, you know, of a character that we've talked that any movie would have talked about throughout the movie and then have an action sequence and right at the end of that action sequence reveal that character. I think that's actually pretty clever. Not necessarily original, but it's it's just clever. It's like a good device. It's nice. But it was interesting, too, because at that like exact moment right before it happened, I was thinking, oh, we're not going to get to see the old characters, are we? And then we do. I mean, so that, that like that just... I was on the same, well, I don't know, like the movie seemed to be on the same wavelength as I was like, now it's time to introduce one of the old characters. So, so mm-hmm. that worked out. Time it would have been better if, you know, the Scarecrow looked any good because yeah, right, he doesn't at all. after 50 <laughs> years looked worse. Um, <laughs> uh, at this point, we kind of get the whole spiel that the Gnome King has where he stole the emeralds because they're supposed to be his to begin with. So that's kind of like a, nature versus industry thing um so like maybe now the nature is the bad is the bad guy i don't see this is where it mixes up its themes because it's like is the nature good is industry bad is industry you know our big cities like the emerald city like you know it's not contradictory it's just complicated i mean you know we just can't understand how we're just inferior yeah you're right (laughs) um (laughs) He offers them a test to get out and he kind of, he knows that they're going to fail. Mm-hmm. So this test is to, he turns Scarecrow into an ornament mm-hmm. is a big thing is right after Scarecrow caught her, he disappeared and the Gnome King turned him into an ornament of some sort. And then so, the thing is like, you have to guess which one, which thing, you know, uh, Scarecrow is and and so they, yeah. I think across, uh, between all of them, they have three guesses. Like, I don't think they have three each. It's just, right, it's just each one of those characters. I, I think they each had three, actually. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um. So the Gump failed right away because Gump's an idiot that just got back, like, turned into life. Um, well, maybe he failed deliberately to escape this living hell as a severed head on a, you know. He'd rather be an ornament. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> like, he wants to go back to being an ornament. He was a head on a wall. And it, things were simpler then. So, you know, like, but, um, then. <laughs> uh, Jack goes in, Jack fails because he's not all that smart either. TikTok, who's the only competent one, he faked that his action stopped. Oh, and, okay. that, and then some of the I guards. Think I was pretty drunk by that point in the movie because I fair, <laughs> fair. And then, and then one of the guards was like, the robot's action is stopped. And then he's like, Dorothy, you can go in and wind him up. And then whatever. While this is all happening, the Gnome King reveals that he has the ruby slippers, which are also made of rocks Mm -hmm. that came from the mountain. And he, you know, it's a really morally complicated movie because, you know, she insists that the, the, the emeralds, yeah, they weren't, they weren't, they were found, not stolen. And then he says that, well, I found your ruby slippers. I didn't steal them. And, you know, so, uh, and then he tempts her. He says that she can go back, uh, you know, to, to uh, Kansas if she just leaves her friends behind. But it, it's kind of, you know, Kansas sucks too. So it's not that complicated of a decision. Like she can go back and get ECT or drown in a river or whatever, or stay here. So both options just really suck for Dorothy and she presses on and tries to help her friends. So, um, okay. So when TikTok reveals that he was faking to Dorothy now in my notes, it said that he, that he cries. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He, he did cry. Cream. Yep. He cried I, some oil. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't like, remembering. I was like, did he just start weeping for no good reason? Like, oh, yeah. and then the, like the, I'm the, panicking. Yeah. 
Well, and the whole thing there was he insists that he can't feel anything, right? He's, you know, I think he says early on that, because uh, uh, one of the wheelers says, you'll regret this. And he's like, regret would be a feeling and I am a machine, so I cannot feel, you know, regret or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. So, um, but now here he's crying. So he's he's a real boy and yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, he just explained to Dorothy like, hey, I can't feel fear anyway, so uh i'm gonna guess wrong and you pay attention to how i get turned into an ornament and then you'll be able to get out of here uh, and this is his sacrifice and like you said he's a real boy now <laughs> um, oh there's another thing as far as the effects go so, so the gnome king starts out like you know as like claymation and then suddenly just somewhere in there he's like live action with just and really not even really any prosthetics like they just painted the guy's face gray you know like stone and he's puffing out a pipe. It just happens like abruptly. I, and then he says something about like, soon I'll be human. So I'm thinking like, is he gaining humanity gradually by turning other people to stone? And I just miss this as a plot element or what? Because it, it's really jarring going from the claymation to like the live action thing. I didn't know if there was, that was the explanation is that he's becoming more human. The more- That's a fair question. I have no fucking answer. Okay. <laughs> and then Mombi arrives and starts to try to warn uh, the Gnome King about a chicken, but like the Gnome King is like too angry at Mombi at this point to kind of like stop and listen. Yeah, she trap um, he traps her in a cell to be dealt with later. Mm -hmm. She's the wheelers will help her, but they're getting the fuck out of there because she's already put them in danger. I don't know. In any case, they're like, fuck her, and they take off. So, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, so she eventually guesses right because she picks up an emerald and it becomes scarecrow and then she realizes that the ornaments that she has to grab are all green so she manages to bring back i think scarecrow i think they bring i think she brings everyone back but TikTok right away because they bring back pumpkin head they bring back the well, the chicken's in the pumpkin head. And then they bring back the sofa. And then they bring back Scarecrow. And they don't quite have time to bring back TikTok yet. But, you know, he's not a living person anyway. So it's like, oh, worthy sacrifice, yada, yada, yada. And then the Gnome King had never actually planned, uh, had this in the cards of them winning. Right. Uh, so he gets, like, in his, like, lava furnace or whatever, just becomes, like, this giant form. And he eats the sofa's body. Um, uh, somehow, I forgot they how. They do a tug of war um, with him. And so the head comes off the sofa. So they managed to save the moose's head, but the sofa gets eaten. So, and, uh, and I think the moose is like, oh, I didn't like that anyway. <laughs> like you said, kill me, please. <laughs> just, kill, <laughs> just kill me. Um, and then he tries to eat Jack, but the fucking chicken he realizes is in Jack's head and then the chicken gets scared and lays an egg and the egg rolls around. It drops into the Gnome King's stomach. But yeah, the chicken was trying to lay the egg the whole movie and finally does. So that's the chicken's arc, I guess. Um, and then he basically just dissolves <laughs> um, because eggs are poisonous. Or something. Yeah, yeah. All the uh, was it the wheelers or start saying poison, poison, or no, all the rocks, the other rocks, and then he's like, mm -hmm. "Don't you know, chicken eggs are poison?" And those are his last. Words. Uh, I'm really glad it explained to the audience what was going on. Too, I yeah. mean, we needed it. <laughs> and then the chicken seemed to understand this because she's like, "You're damned right, it's poison." <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, but I thought it was just like she basically shit out an egg because she was so scared or something. But I, I guess thought I she was like, scared too. Like, well, well, yeah. But I guess it was delivered. She was scared and then she's just like later taking credit for it. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. The whole time. Yeah, I'm the hero. I'm of the a mastermind. I wasn't just hiding the entire time. Right. So the king is dead. Dorothy snatches the, the slippers and then wishes everything back to the way it should be and around uh they find around the moose's head in the antler is i don't i guess this may have been part of her wish um but like is another green ornament and it's tiktok 
They turn, bring back TikTok, they hug. It's yeah, all you've been lamenting that TikTok didn't make it. And then they, yeah, find the. Yep. Yeah. And also, Mombi got saved, but in a cage. Now she doesn't have her powers as a witch. So, right. I forget um, why, but whatever. So, well, I, I think the Gnome King gave her her power. Oh, so without the Gnome King, she's powerless. All right. Possibly. And then they kind of have like this going away party, like they did in the, in the original Wizard of Oz. You know, she has this decision to make. Do you want to be like, princess here do you want to go back home and she's like i wish i could be in the same place at the same time and then uh that's when princess ozma shows up who is like the same as the girl that saved her and we had seen visions of her earlier but it's just in mirrors and weird uh ozma steps out of the mirror basically to become princess in oz and then uh, uh, Princess Asma is like, oh, come back whenever you want. I'm gonna check in on you. Yada yada yada. Make sure you're fucking not starving to death in the dust bowl or any shit like that. Asma sends her back. Go ahead. Well, yeah, she she wants to say goodbye to all of her friends, and then she's like, oh, I I thought I'd have more time. And I'm like, well, if Asma has the power to bring you between worlds, why can't she give you a few fucking minutes? You know. But so she has to quickly say goodbye to all of her friends, and a blinding light and and and, and you know encompasses her or whatever, and then she wakes up on the shores of uh, the river. Um, so maybe Dorothy is completely delusional and that was all just some near-death experience. Uh, it's ambiguous, you know, um, and it's like Pan's Labyrinth. So there you go, another recommendation. <laughs> so, um, but And this next scene is, I didn't really notice the first time I watched it, but I laughed when I watched this time, is as soon as Uncle Henry sees her, he ditches oh, yeah. his crutches and runs like he never broke his leg in his life. Right. Yeah, he's skipping around and they just, it's like Dr. Strangelove. I could walk. You know, he just, <laughs> yeah. So, well, so I guess Auntie M was right. It was all bullshit. Yeah, so, he was just um, bullshit. He was just yeah. a lazy, <laughs> lazy bastard. Auntie M tells that like the doctor had died in the, or had died in the fire. Because yeah, it was, he, so it's like an electrical story. It caused a fire. That's what happened. Yeah, and he wanted to go back to save his machines because well, that's fucked up. Because there's all these prisoners like locked up and shit, right? They all burn. Like, I mean, like, I mean maybe I think uh, we may have said that everyone got out except for him because he went back for his machine. Oh, okay. I was like, because if he's all preoccupied with this industrial machine. revolution <laughs> or something, <laughs> Wilson's in, in in a cage now, much as she was in Oz. So all of this is sort of paralleling or whatever a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then one further parallel, uh, she, uh, in through through her mirror, Dorothy speaks to Ozma once more. I forgot what they talked about because I didn't give just a shit. Check. She's just checking in and then like, she's like, oh, yeah, come look because she wants to prove it. And Ozma's like, shut the fuck up. And she's like, oh, never mind, Auntie M. It's just a reflection. And then my last note on the movie, I'd say pan out to look at the uh, to look at the farm, is yeah, that Henry is basically start is basically done fixing the house after less than a week of work. Yeah, like so- winter was <laughs> winter was closing in, Henry. It was gonna. You're just lazy. <laughs> um, and that's how it ends. We kind of hit on place in society, like pretty well like um you know just to reiterate a little bit you know sequel to like one of the greatest films ever actually probably more true to the books aesthetically than either oz the great and powerful or the wizard of oz doesn't make it necessarily a great movie for anybody but there is a super niche like 80s kids or like labyrinth lovers that could like it um so uh, let's kick it away to your recommendations, Dakota. Alice 1988 um, was one I didn't mention because it's a very Alice in Wonderland story. And then um, let's see. Oh, yeah. And probably one of my other recommendations would be uh, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, uh, also from 1988. But uh, if you like really strange worlds and plots that don't make a lot of sense logically, then there's another one. Um, so That'd be about it. Everything else I hit on, you know, like probably Dark Crystal, Labyrinth. Um, I guess more recently, like if we're going out of the 80s, then um, Pan's Labyrinth, weirdly enough. And 
uh, yeah. the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So, which actually came up after, like, when I was playing it on Disney Plus. Like, uh, th- that was a uh, the next one. So, oh yeah, for me too. So, um, uh, yeah, some similar recommendations over here, uh, like Dark Crystal, Black Cauldron, um, Never Ending Story. Yeah. Um, and then of course the original Wizard of Whoa, we've got some green screen mess going on here. Original Wizard of Oz is really great. Out of five stars, Dakota, how many stars are you going to give uh, Return to Oz? It's one of the few that I can say with some, like, you know, I'd say it's a 2.5. But again, much like Johnny Mnemonic, it's an interesting 2.5. It's it's a just a bizarre artifact that, like, I, you know, I think people that are kind of into strange 80s worlds that that dark stuff or you know dark crystal jim henson all that if that's your thing definitely worth watching totally um you know so for you know general audiences anybody coming straight off of the wizard of oz and looking for something in that vein yeah not probably they're not probably gonna dig it but you know. I, I, i'm with you two and a half i probably give it it probably leans more to two um uh, i do like johnny mnemonic more um, I mean, uh, it just for me, like, in fact, like, again, personally, it's more like three, 3.5, just because it's up my alley. I like weird shit like this, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I said, Alice 1988, uh, I think, you know, really weird fucking movie, very creepy, has just this desolate, it totally like this. So like, I like that sort of thing, but not as a kid. But if you want to have an interesting kind of weird kid, then show them this one, you know, like, like I said, it's, it's, it's a good choice. So, I, I think it definitely earns a star or a star and a half just by like, I'm not a big like keep true to the books guy in all instances, but um, in this in this case, it is like you know a a good a bold move to be like more true to those books because those books are kind of fucked up. You're making it sound like yeah. I mean, um, it, it definitely has a darker tone. I think that maybe that's the biggest thing. Like, I'm wondering if we didn't just like look at this as its own thing. Like, maybe it wouldn't be. It'd be more like it's okay. But like coming off of the original, The Wizard of Oz, it's just fucking weird. I mean, like I, I didn't even think about that till you pointed it out. I mean, it's like going. It's closer to 50 years than anything. I mean, after the fact, and just it's got this dark, twisted like almost desolate like atmosphere it's just it's bizarre it's a really bizarre sequel so return to Oz. i mean i guess we said everything there was to yeah have a good day everybody